invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 1. We'll be picking up in verse 29 and uh, making our way through verse 51. I'll read all of those verses this morning. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God which takes or who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him but that he should be revealed to Israel. I didn't know him except that he should be revealed to Israel. That's the only way John knew him, but to make him known, if you will. He said, I did not know him but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. Again, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with water and with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testify, this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus, as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, teacher, where are you staying? Where do you dwell? Where do you remain? Where do you abide? Where is your presence stay? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. It was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John, who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, uh, the city of Andrew, and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moses and the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. 
And he said to him, Most assuredly I say, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, I pray that our hearts would be challenged. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be transformed. That, Lord, we would be a little bit more like Jesus because we've been in your presence, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Today we are looking at the power of personal testimonies. Personal testimonies. We see this in this chapter, uh, really resplendent in this chapter and throughout this portion that we looked at this morning. John begins testifying not only to the crowd, but very specifically to two that are very close to him, two of his very own disciples. One of the reasons that we reference the five-friend focus is because God has uniquely placed each one of us in a realm of influence where we have the opportunity to engage with people that God has uniquely placed immediately around us. And so we focus on that. We say, God, you've placed these folks around me, and I believe that you, by your Spirit, are reaching out to them. Just like your Spirit was reaching out to these disciples. Just as John understood, he said, I must decrease, he must increase. I love that in this portion of Scripture, when John says to his disciples that were standing there, they see Jesus walking. So you can just imagine his two disciples, maybe one on one side, one on the other, maybe the both of them on the right-hand side, maybe both on the left-hand side. We don't have that detail, but here they are. They're standing. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God. Now these disciples, no doubt, were with him the day before when he had this great dialogue. And he, we get the greater dialogue that he had with the Pharisees from Matthew's Gospel. No doubt they were there and they, hold, they heard that exclamation, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. They understood that this was the Messiah, the coming one. That Passover Lamb, the Lamb of God which was slain from the foundations of the earth. I love that John, when his disciples heard what he said, he didn't say, when they started to follow Jesus, hey, 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 where, 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 where are you guys going? Why are you going to go over there with Jesus and not hang out with me? You see, he understood that it's not about me. It's not about John. It's about Jesus. I must decrease. He must increase. He got that. And so understanding this, these testimonies, the power of personal testimony, the first thing we ought to be engaged in is pronouncing truth to others. Pronouncing truth. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. And the second really is pointing others to Jesus. Or pointing Jesus, if you will, pointing toward Jesus. Jesus or John said on three different occasions, he said these words, there stands one among you whom you don't know. He's pointing them to Jesus. He's causing them to ponder, who is this that's amongst us that we don't know? People look at your lives and they wonder what's different about you. Have you noticed that? Maybe in the midst of grief, in a time of difficulty or time of hardship, people wonder why you have peace in your life that others may not have. And they want to know what it is working in you. 
We have the opportunity to say it has nothing to do with us. It's the one whom I'm leaning on. It's the one whom I'm trusting in. We point him to Jesus. We point him to Jesus. He said on both days' accounts, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Again, pointing people to Jesus. And then with his two disciples, pointing them to Jesus, behold the Lamb of God. What about your life? What about my life? Are we pointing folks toward Jesus? Are we declaring truth to others, pointing them to Jesus? He presents them to Jesus. He said, behold the lamb, and the two disciples heard him. Now that Greek word there, heard, is really something worth unpacking. To hear. What it is, is they were considering what John had said. There was actual processing, and they were in a place of understanding and perceiving by the very words that John used, they understood what he meant. I wonder sometimes when we are encouraging folks in faith, if they are truly understanding what we're saying, do they understand, hey, without Jesus, there's no heaven. Without a personal relationship, your sin forgiven in Christ, you receiving the work that Jesus accomplished upon the cross at Calvary. Without understanding that, they can't receive it. Lord, help us as we convey the message of the gospel that our hearers will understand what is being said. They'll actually hear what is being spoken. And that we are encouraging them to receive the grace of God by faith, by faith. And so, presenting Jesus. Now I love, in all three accounts of personal testimonies that we'll look at today in this portion of Scripture, there's a then Jesus moment. There's a then Jesus. And I love that no matter who you are presenting the gospel to, no matter whom you are living your life in front of, the beauty is when you invite someone to come and see. Maybe you say, look, I don't have all the answers. Why don't you come and hang out at church with me? Come and see. I love that Jesus meets people right where they're at. Don't you love that? Jesus meets people right where they're at. Say that with me. Jesus meets people right where they're at. In this instance, Jesus turns around and sees these cats following him. And I love what he says. He says, what do you seek? What do you seek? Folks, every single person that has walked on the face of this earth and that is currently walking on the face of this earth is seeking something. They're seeking something. Your friends who do not know the Lord, your associates at work that do not know the Lord, your neighbors that do not know the Lord, they're seeking something. What do you seek? What about you? What do you seek? In all of your seeking, what is your principle seek? What is it that you're seeking? Jesus turned to these men and said, what do you seek? I would suggest to you today, every one of us here, that he is asking us that same question. Every one of us, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? What are you seeking? I think 
he may be asking that question a lot in one day. Just me. What is it you're seeking here, Dave? Think about the last conversation you had with your spouse where you were trying to get your way. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? Is it more about you? Is it more about them? Remember the scripture, consider others over yourself. Hey, what are you seeking? Do you want to win? What are you seeking? I think that's an important question, but we won't, we won't stay there and hover there. I think we could this morning, but we won't. I love their response. I think as profound of a question as Jesus poses them, I think their response is equally profound. Well, maybe not quite equally profound, but very profound. They said, we want to know where it is you dwell. Where do you dwell? Where are you staying? Where is your presence abide? Wouldn't it be great if when I asked the question or posed the question, what are you seeking? That in your heart, your initial thought was, I'm seeking his presence and where his presence is. And I want to hang there. I want to be there. I think when I pose that question to myself, what am I seeking, it's not always I'm seeking the presence of God. I'm seeking the presence of God. In fact, a lot of times, it's I'm seeking my own deal. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me? About seven of us, great. Yeah, we're all too often. It's more about us than it is about the kingdom of God let alone his presence in our lives. Lord, help us to have hearts that in that initial response, I'm seeking the presence of the Lord. Lord, where do you dwell? Because that's where I want to be. I want to be where you are. I want to be in your dwelling place. You got up this morning and put yourself together and came to church. I hope you came to church this morning with the very idea, I go to church because Jesus is there. Can I get an Amen. Another amen. Yes. I go to church because Jesus said it this way. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. Hey, I want to be where Jesus is. Can I get an amen? And you, you may not have thought that way, but listen, you brought the presence of Christ with you when you came this morning. Come on, I pray that we see Christ amidst us and in us that we see Christ in one another and we're like, I like that about this person. We see the presence and the power of God. We wanna know where you're staying. And then Jesus makes the invitation and I believe that he makes the invitation to you and me. He says, come and see, come and see. It's that Jesus moment. Jesus gives the invitation, come and see, come and see. Where are you at, Lord? Where are you staying? He says, come and see. I think there's an invitation to every one of us into the arena of the throne room of God. And we're invited there through prayer. Through prayer. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill, a turn-of-the-century preacher, he made a great quip. He said, the secret to prayer 
is prayer in secret. The secret to prayer is prayer in secret. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet, go into the secret room, close the door behind you, and pray to your Father who's in the secret place. And the Father who sees you there will reward you openly. I think one of the greatest rewards that we have in our relationship with the Lord is his presence in our lives. His presence. And so the invitation. The power of personal testimony. John testified to his two disciples. He pronounced truth. He pointed to Jesus. He presented them to Jesus. And then Jesus was just Jesus. Then we see Andrew, who was one of those, verses 40 through 42, He has a come and see moment with his brother Simon. He pronounced truth. He first found his brother. I think that's important that we find those that are close to us. Again, that five friend focus. And uh, he says, we found the Messiah. A declaration of truth. Andrew spent the day with Jesus. Now that's amazing. If you read that last verse, uh, verse 39, it says, they came, they saw, and they abided with him for a day. You imagine what that day was like for those two guys? They're just hanging out with Jesus all day, the place where he dwells. What was that conversation like? What was that conversation like? And so out of that, Andrew immediately finds his brother. Listen, I think one of the things that happens in our lives when we spend time with the Lord, when we spend time in the secret place, we become more in tune with our Father's business. And our Father's business is to seek and to save the lost. And it's certainly reflected in this. Andrew comes out of spending the day with Jesus, and what does he do? He first found his brother, Simon. And he says, hey man, we found Messiah. And so he points to Jesus. And then he presents Simon to Jesus. The scripture says in verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. How cool. That was his first thought. I gotta get my brother to Jesus. Lord, help us to think that way. Those of us who've known the Lord for many years, may the gospel never get old and second nature in terms of that's, I'll do that later. I'll take care of that later. No, let that be our first nature. I must bring people to Jesus. And then we have the then Jesus moment with Simon. I love this. Jesus meeting people right where they're at. He says, as he brings him to Jesus, verse 42, the second part, and when, he, when Jesus beheld him, Jesus says, you're Simon, the son of Jonah. I love that Jesus calls people by name. And he identifies really who they are. He says, from now on, you're gonna be called Cephas, which means a stone. Hey, You're a little rock. You're a little pebble. There's something about your character that's hard, that's good, and it's going to be useful in the hands of the silversmith, if you will. 
the one who is going to take your life. He identifies. He says, man, you're Simon. You're Simon. But you will be called Peter, a rock. I believe that when we bring people to Jesus, they will have an encounter with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords will meet them right where they are. We don't have to worry about trying to play the Holy Spirit's role. We don't have to worry about what God's going to do. Listen, they may not show any evidence in their encounter at church or in that conversation or maybe you invite a friend who is talking to them about the Lord or whatever. They may just be flat screen, flat line, nothing. But you can have absolute assurance that when they lay their head down on their pillow at night, when they're driving in their car alone, the Holy Spirit who is faithful to minister to you is faithful to minister to them, to love them, to reveal to them. His assignment is to convict the world with regards to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Let's let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? We don't have to try and fix people first. Are you with me? Anybody here got it all figured out yet in your own life? Anybody so successful in fixing your own stuff that you're like, I'm ready to fix somebody else's stuff? You've removed all the planks from your own eyes so you can start picking tweezers, uh, splinters out of other people's eyes? We're not there yet, gang. So let's let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does and let's just bring people to Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, church should be kind of messy. <laughs> Thank you, Tammy. I mean, this, it's a real deal. If we would just take our masks off and let what is real be seen, people would feel a whole lot more comfortable coming to church. And we need that. We need to be authentic. We need to be genuine. We need to be real. Because to put on a mask is deceit. Right? Yeah, that, who's that helping? Are you so concerned about your reputation that we would watch people not come to church, not hear the good news? God, help us in this. So let's trust the Lord. He'll meet folks right where they're at. Man, I, this week, thanks, Mike. We we got a, we had a great time on Friday uh, with Mike's cousin, and uh, Mike's cousin was a real guy doing real work in a church over in Wyoming. And he says, "Who is it that you're trying to reach? Who are you trying to reach?" And it's interesting because we talk about this in our staff. We talk about this, you know, kind of in the in the hub and with our elders. We are the lame, the maim, and the blind, and the sick. Everybody get that? I mean, at, you read the parable of the banquet, the great banquet. Those that were invited to the banquet, they made excuses why they couldn't come. And so the master of the banquet said, well, get the lame, the maim, the blind, and the sick. And they said, well, we've done that, and there's still room in the house. <laughs> what does that make you and me? <laughs> we are the lame, the maim, the blind, and the sick. Look at your neighbor right now and just say, you're lame. <laughs> we are the lame, the maim, the blind, and the sick. We're messy, but we try and pretend that we're not. And we are. And thanks be to God, Jesus takes us where we are. 
And he fixes us from the inside out. Can I get an amen? And he's working on us. Thanks be to God. Let's let the Spirit of God have his way in our lives. But then he says, go to the highways and the hedges. Because there's still room, and there's empty seats in here. Because there's still rooms, go to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Somebody asked the question, why would you do the warming shelter? Why would you be a part of the warming shelter? Why would you, why would you do that? I said, because that's the folks we're trying to get. We want to win them. And what's more compelling than a roof and a furnace for someone who doesn't have one? That's pretty compelling. Let me tell you something. When the temperature is 28 degrees outside, they're looking for a warm, safe sleep. And we can provide that. And when they're there, we can convey the love of God through Jesus Christ. I don't even have to say it verbally because it'll be written on the walls. We're going to have posters all over our walls that just point to Jesus and give the message so they'll see it and they'll know they can have freedom and liberty in Christ. We'll have information for those that may be struggling with addiction to help them so that the systemic issues that perpetuate homelessness, we can help. We hope to point them to Teen Challenge, that they can immediately, immediately get connected and begin a new life in deliverance. Come on, it's real. It's, it's, a, re, it's a compelling reason for all of us to be engaged. Jesus meeting people where they're at. Let's... Let's allow God to do that in us. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's be, trans, let's be uh, without mask, genuine. So, Andrew and Peter, power of Andrew's personal testimony. We've found the Messiah, and he brings him to Jesus. And Simon meets and encounters Jesus. You know Simon as Simon Peter. Peter, hey, Peter's a pretty special guy, right? I mean, let's face it, besides Jesus, he's the only one who's walked on water. That's a pretty big deal. And he's a pretty big deal because of what Christ did in his life. Made him a fisher of men. The scripture goes on to tell us that Jesus the next day wanted to go into another area and he finds Philip, who is also from Bethesda. Or, uh, I think I got that right. Did I get that right? Bethsaida, thank you, Bethsaida. From Bethsaida. And uh, Philip, he immediately goes and gets Nathaniel. He says, hey man, we found Messiah, the one whom Moses in the law and all of the prophets have written about. And then he qualifies, hey, it's Jesus of Nazareth. I love Nathaniel because I get the feeling that Nathaniel is like a knowledgeable guy. He's like, well, wait a minute. The one that Moses and all of the law and all of the prophets have written about, he doesn't come from Nazareth. That's Messiah, and he comes from Bethlehem. Can anything good come from Nazareth? 
Let me ask you a question. In your witnessing or your testifying of Christ, have you ever been, raise your hand if you've been asked a question that you didn't know the answer to. Just raise your hand. Yeah, okay, everybody look around the room. All the hands went up, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of everybody. And that's what sometimes we're like, I don't even want to share my faith because someone's going to ask a question and I don't have the answer to it. This is Phil. I get, I get the idea that Philip is like, he's just excited. He's like a seven-year-old who just discovered Legos. I mean, he's like, are you kidding me? This is epic. This is the guy. And then Nathaniel comes with a theological question. He's like, bro, just come and see. Come and see. And it's fascinating, and this is not... This is conjecture. My next statements are conjecture. So don't, don't you know, make this like Pastor Dave's a heretic. Um, listen, I think when Jesus says to Nathaniel what he says to Nathaniel, he reveals to us what Nathaniel had been doing. Because his response is absolutely captivating. It says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Like, I know you, and you speak truth, and you're about truth. Nathanael says to him, How do you know that about me? How do you know that about me? Jesus answered and said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. You ever wonder what was going on under the fig tree? Let me tell you, I sit around and think about that. I sit around and think about that. And I think that perhaps Jesus, this is conjecture, I believe that perhaps Jesus in his response is revealing what Nathaniel was doing. I think Nathaniel was seeking the Lord. I think he was reading the word of God. Because he says in verse 51, most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open. Ready for this? Heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Who saw heaven open with angels ascending and descending on a ladder? Jacob. I have a sneaky suspicion Nathaniel was under a fig tree reading the story of Jacob and the ladder at Bethel. And Jesus says, I get the feeling that Nathaniel was sitting there saying, Who is the ladder? What is the ladder? Jesus said, I. Am the ladder. You will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, Messiah. I am that connection. I am the bridge. I am the gap between this world and the next. I am the key. I am the door. I am the bread. I am the life. I am the way. Now, it's conjecture. It gets me kind of emotive because, again, Jesus meets people where they're at. He already knows what your friends are thinking. He already knows. We just have the distinct pleasure of cooperating with God. 
Now, here's the beauty, guys. If we will listen, if we will listen to the Holy Spirit, you can read it in John chapter 16. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will not speak on his own accord. He will speak those things he has heard. And he will show you things to come. That's like future stuff. Think about this for a moment. In the secret place, we'll be rewarded openly. That whole idea of presence and knowing and understanding who God is and what God is doing. Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick. He makes a statement, this sickness is not unto death. He made the statement. And then he tarried several days. Then he explained to his disciples, hey, we're going to head over to Lazarus because he sleeps, and I'm going to wake him. They're like, well, if he's sleeping, he's resting, so he'll get well and he'll get up. He says, uh, you don't get it. Lazarus is dead. When he goes and he gets there where Mary and Martha are, Martha understands that Jesus has come, and so she bolts out there and she says, hey, had you come, he would not have died. Jesus said, believe, and you will see the glory of God. He will be raised. She says, well, I know we'll be raised in the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Believe, and you will see the glory of God. Then she goes back and she tells Mary, hey, the master wants to see you. And Mary comes out. Oh, if you'd have just been here, my brother would not have died. And we have that heartwarming where Jesus groans on the inside with the ale and the frailty of our human condition. He felt and feels our emotion and our pain and our anguish. I love that about our Lord He knows your emotion. He feels it. Your sorrow, your pain, your heartache, your joy, your laughter. He knows all that. Then the scripture says he wept. He wept. And then he prayed. And in his prayer, he says these words. He says, I know you have heard me. Which means Jesus had already prayed through this whole scenario. He says, I'm just praying for their benefit so they'll believe. But we've already had this conversation. When did he have that conversation? How did he know that Lazarus was already dead? How did he know that it was not a sickness unto death, and yet there was death, but he knew he was going to raise him from the dead? That had to have happened sometime earlier because, remember, he did not exercise his ability of God. 
He was fully man, and he was demonstrating to all of us that we can have a relationship so connected to the Father that the Spirit of God will show us things to come. And we can walk in absolute authority because we will know because God the Father has revealed it to us through the Spirit who dwells in us. How many of us want a life like that? Come on. Man, I want that. What do you seek? What do you seek? Where do you dwell, God? That's where I want to be. Let me tell you something. As followers of Jesus, the more we live like that, not so people go, ooh, they're super spiritual. Did you see what they did? Oh, I want to be like them and follow, blah, 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 blah. No! Less of me, more of him. John the Baptist, I must decrease, he must increase. It's not about us. Our lives, listen, if, if that's the kind of stuff, if you're seeking after the gift rather than the giver of the gifts, we're getting it all wrong, right? I do want that working in my life because I want the intimacy with God so that I'll know how many of us would just absolutely love to know, God, what should I do later today? And if we had that information, we could walk in it in absolute confidence, not worrying about what one other person on this planet is thinking. And it's less about my reputation, it's more about him. God, help us to get there. Because the more we live this way, listen, you won't have to share testimony. Your life will simply be a testimony in a greater measure. It just will. And by the raising of your hands a moment ago, you've already expressed, that's what I want. That's what I want. And so, Lord, help us, right? Lord, help us. In fact, with that, I'm gonna invite the worship team just to come back. Worship team, we're gonna just, we're gonna close right here. Oh, it's perfect, it's 11.30. Look at that, good timing. I would have liked to have said the Holy Spirit showed that to me, but that's not what happened. I just happened to check my phone, and it was good timing. But as they're coming, I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. Will you stand with me this morning? He is willing and he is able. And just as Jesus said to those disciples, that asked the right question. They asked the right question. Where do you dwell? Where do you dwell? I would submit to you, he dwells here, because two or three are gathered. I believe he dwells in you. We're living stones. Our names have been changed, so to speak. We're, we're a bunch of Cephas kind of guys and gals. We're living stones. I would definitively say to you that he is in the secret place. He's in the secret place. And if you will receive the invitation that Jesus makes, not only to these two disciples of which Andrew was one, he's making that invitation to you. What do you seek? And our response, if we would say, I wanna know where you dwell, his response to you and to me will be, come and see. And when we get there, we'll have communion we'll have communion with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. And out of the communion, the byproduct will be 
he will begin to show us things. I think he starts with showing things about us. Don't, don't, don't go into the closet thinking, well, he's probably going to show me some things about some other folk. <laughs> he's probably going to start with you. Because judgment begins in where? The house. And it's going to start here. And what I mean by judgment, he's, he's going to bring some justice in your life. He's going to get accounts and balances right. And as we begin to hear and listen, he'll begin to tell us things like God wants to open some wounds, that kind of stuff. And we get to be a part of that. So if you want more, you say, yes, I'm just going to invite you to come right on up front. Come on up front, man. Come on up. You guys, I see some eyes coming up, man. They just, well, you just step out from where you're at and you say, yes, join me at the front. And we're just saying, I want, I want that kind of life. And as the worship team begins to play, you guys, Mariah, just find one of those songs. Will you just come forward and say, yep, that's the kind of living I want. That's the kind of life I want. That's the kind... I want more of the Lord working in me. I want to get into that secret place and I want to have the power of God made manifest in my daily living. Come on, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. As we sing, will you just make your way down here? I'm going to step down on the floor because this is where I want to be also. And I'm just inviting you to come and join us and we'll close in a word of prayer in a moment. Take us away, Mariah.